You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. I was thinking about, about football this week. I was actually um, got to spend a day with, with my friend Adam Avery. If anybody remembers Adam, they know he's a Bengals fan. <laughs> we're, we're, in the, we're in the orange and black. And, uh, and you know, we, we all, it's football season, right? I mean, a lot, of, a lot of us like football. A lot of us don't like football. A lot of us don't like fantasy football. And some of, some of us do like fantasy football. If you're not familiar with fantasy football, you basically pick a number of players, and then you compete against somebody else to pick a number of players, and whoever's players do better, then, then you win, and you celebrate something that's actually really meaningless. Uh, but 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 it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, but the thing about fantasy football, and even about all of us, because none of you look like you have pads on and you're ready to play in one of the games uh, this afternoon. But you know, you ever heard the phrase "armchair quarterback"? How it's really easy to sit on your couch, drinking your soda and eating your your I don't know combos, and saying, "Why didn't he throw it? That guy is open. They didn't even see the guy over there. It's really easy." You know, to, to say from the sidelines, like, come on, like, they, they, they need to bench that guy, or he needs to get better. It's a lot harder to be in the game, right? And it's also, one of the things I like about football is it's a team sport. It's a very large team sport. There's a lot of players, a lot of coaches, a, a lot of support that goes into this game that we play, or that I don't play, <laughs> but this game that we, that we watch. And it, it's such an important thing to remember how important it is to have a team around you competing and, and doing whatever, ta- tackling whatever whatever is in front of you and not doing life alone, right? And, and football, and I, I, I mentioned I'm a, a 49ers fan. One of the, the phrases that we have for, 40, for the 49ers is we are faithful to the Bay, the Bay Area. We're a 49er faithful, and I, I think part of being 49er faithful is we had a lot of losses, and we have to be faithful to the team throughout, throughout, throughout those losses. We had five Super Bowls, but those are a long time ago. Uh, but we're, we're faithful to the Bay, and you know, we, we're talking in this series about partnership, about what it means to be a partner. Um, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to, to go to YouTube or go to um, podcast app, wherever you can find the message, and and listen to what Greg shared about what it means, why we use the word partner, what it means to be a partner, partnership, this, this language, that we're really wanting to just refresh uh, the, these ideas, these thoughts um, that, we get, that we've gathered from Scripture um, to help define who all of us are in this community, in this moment, as we, as we come together. And that being the first one, that we come together, that if you're a partner, if you're a part of this church, one of the first things that we ask each of ourselves, we ask of each other, is that we actually do come together. And you may come together here in this room, you may come together online, but we, we come together because you can't be a part of a community if you don't participate in it, right? So we, so we come together. And then uh, Greg talked briefly last week about how we serve together, how we, as, as Christ followers, as we are following after Jesus, who is the ultimate servant who laid his life down and, and gave his life as a ransom, that he modeled servanthood, what it means to be a servant. And we are to be that as well. And I know there's so many ways that we serve. We can, you know, serve our, our communities and serve our neighborhoods. We can be on serving team, serving teams here at the church and just help support and, and be a part. Because when we're serving together, we, c- we connect together. And I, I heard a quote I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and a guy said, 
the lack of service leads to lack of connectivity. That if we aren't serving, then it kind of leads to not being connected. And he's speaking in the broader sense and how we, we can so often get isolated into our areas and our homes and our things and, and our, 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 rest, our rest and all the things that we do. But it's when we, we serve each other that we're walking together, that we connect with one another and we experience community. Well, today I want to shift to the next one, and it's to, that we stand together. You know, for years, Don Curry said, we are not coming together for church. We are the church coming together. That we aren't coming together for church. That this incredible building that we have is just that. It's just a building. You know, we call it a church, but it's, it wouldn't be church without you here. If we're, when we're not all here during the week, this is just a hollow shell that takes a lot to heat. <laughs> but it's when we come together and we are the church, that we become the church, that we are the bride of Christ, that we are his hands and feet in the world, that we are the church coming together. But wherever people come together, there's inevitably conflict. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that today. Whenever there are people there's inevitably conflict. Has anybody experienced this, or is it just me? Am I, am I the, the common denominator in all my conflict? Probably. <laughs> but whenever you actually open yourself up to actually getting to know somebody, eventually conflict happens, right? Because we're humans, and we're flawed, and we are selfish, and, and all of those things. And so we want to acknowledge that in, in coming together, in being the church, in being a community of people, that conflict does happen. And, and we want to acknowledge that, and we want to, to talk about how we do that. And, and Jesus gave us a great um, uh, teaching on this in Matthew chapter 18. This is often referred to uh, as church discipline, but it's not that. Um, it's so much more than that. And I want to read a, a couple of these passages. I want to read it from the English Standard Version. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 15. It says, if your brother sins against you, and we talk about there's, there's many ways that we can understand the word sin. One of them is missing the mark, an uh, archery term. And if, you're, if a brother misses the mark, a sister misses the mark in, in, in your relationship, so something happens. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. I like this translation better than the New Living. The New Living says, if he hears you and confesses, if he hears you and he agrees, which is not actually what is Jesus originally said. He said, if he hears you, if he listens, not if he agrees with you necessarily, not if he completely changes, not if he does exactly what you want him to do, but if, you, if, if, some, if there's some relational rift between you and your friend, Jesus says, go and talk to them. If, if, the, if there's something that needs to be addressed, go and talk to that person. If that person is able to hear you, it says you've gained a brother, you've gained a sister, you've gained a friend. And th this idea that I, I, I believe Jesus is saying is that there becomes rifts in relationship, the ultimate rift between us and God, and Jesus came to mend that. But in a relationship with each other, that we come, and if he hears you, if the person hears you, then you've, you've gained a brother. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, 
that every, char- every charge may be established in the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And he refuses to listen even to the church, even to the, to the group of people. Let, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Sounds extreme. But then when, when we look at this, so this is idea. You know, I, there's, a, there's a rift between me and my friend. I'll, I'll, my friend Bill is sitting over here in the front row, so I'll use him as an example, although we've never had a rift, Bill, have we? No. <laughs> Yes, we have, but that's okay. Uh, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a rift between us. I go to him. I don't go over and talk to Andy. I go to Bill. Say, Bill, this is between us. And this, this, this could be used in so many contexts. It could be, you know, if, if there's something in Bill that I think needs to be addressed or there's something that he did to me or, or any, any sin, any missing the mark, any conflict, I go and I, and I talk to Bill. And if Bill and I are able to talk and able to hear each other, then we have relationship. I have, I have my brother. And if that doesn't work, if, there, if, if he's, or if I, <laughs> I'll, I'll use me as an example, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not reasonable, maybe Bill might grab another one of our friends and grab Mark and say, okay, hey, can we go, with, we need to talk to Justin about something. And, and if that's not helpful, then we need to get some more people involved. But then if, if I refuse to hear it says, Jesus says, treat that person as a tax collector. I want to quote it right. Tax collector and a sinner? No, a Gentile. Tax collector and a, and a Gentile. Which, just side note, how did Jesus treat tax collectors and Gentiles? <laughs> he loved them. He went after them. He did call them out. He did confront them. He did call them forward. But it doesn't mean that we ostracize and we have nothing to do with that person, although that's what we would like to do with tax collectors. <laughs> We would like to have nothing to do with that person, but sometimes we need them. Well, I won't go there. <laughs> but how, how Jesus says treat them, and I, I think what it really, what, what I think it means is that treat them as maybe they don't know what they're talking about or they don't understand, which means they need to learn, they need to hear, they need to understand the situation. Peter follows that up. I'm going to skip down a couple of verses to verse 21. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. I think Peter was being a little generous. Seven sounds like a, like a lot of times. But Jesus said, and we're probably familiar with this, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 or seven time, 70 times seven or, or 490 times. And I think Jesus is just saying, we don't stop forgiving each other. We don't stop reaching. We don't stop going. We don't stop addressing issues and problems and conflict. It's not something that we're supposed to get to the end of the rope and say, well, forget that person. And, and there are, you know, whenever we talk about forgiveness, it, we should also acknowledge that at times boundaries are appropriate. And just because we forgive somebody doesn't mean we allow them to continue to hurt necessarily. That's why I love what N.T. Wright says, he says, the key thing is not that one should swallow all resentment and forgive and forget as though nothing happened. The key is that one should never, ever give up making forgiveness and reconciliation one's goal. That our goal in relationship is reconciliation. Our goal is, for, is that we offer forgiveness, that we forgive, that we're able for us to be free in, in this, this interaction, this, this relationship 
The goal of Matthew 18 is forgiveness and reconciliation. But oftentimes, reconciliation doesn't happen without communication. You know, if, if, I, have, if I have an issue, Bill, maybe there's some times where I can just forgive and just deal with it on my own, and we can be good. But if I'm not able to deal with it on my own, there's gonna need, there's, we're going to require some communication. You know, we, if you are able to forgive and forget and move on and, and drop it and love keeps no record of wrongs, if that's possible, then maybe you don't have to address every single issue you ever have. That's not necessary either. But the goal is reconciliation. The goal is right relationship. The goal is forgiveness. But our, our posture in going, we know, is so important. That's why in Matthew 7, Jesus says, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. And I, I love this turn of phrase here. It says, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know, so often we see, we see somebody else's problem, we see some, somebody else's issue, and Jesus says, why don't you deal with the log in your own eye, and then you might be able to see more clearly the speck in theirs. You know, how often do we make a big deal about somebody else, and we're, we, 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 we address that, but we aren't maybe necessarily seeing clearly or seeing from a good place, because we, have our, we all have our own, our own things that we need to deal with. You know, and there's a skill in reconciliation, a skill in conflict resolution. And, you know, so many things that we talk about. One is, you know, it's, it's not really helpful to use extreme words in communication. Like, you never, <laughs> you always, you've done this a million times. Are those phrases true? I mean, sometimes they feel like it. <laughs> it feels like you always Put your dishes in the sink without rinsing them out. It feels like you always do this thing. You never pick up after yourself. <laughs> but when we use words like that, they kind of they kind of tend to escalate, don't they? We need to be careful in the words that we use. And there's there's all kinds of principles, you know, in in, in our premarital work that we do with people. We talk about the X Y Z principle that in communication is really helpful to frame maybe what you're trying to say. And in situation X, when you do Y. I feel Z. Instead of saying, you always do this, and it ticks me off, you could say, well, in this situation, when you did this, this is how it made me feel. Kind of de-escalate, maybe approach, offer, offer maybe a, a way of communication. You know, I've talked often before when my wife and I uh, were going through counseling a number of years ago, the, uh, the phrase that, that really landed for me was understanding the difference between my intention in the relationship, and my impact. Because when my wife would point out something in me, she would practice Matthew 18 appropriately, and she would point out something in me, I would quickly clarify that that wasn't my intention. <laughs> or, Julie, what, the way that you're saying that isn't quite logical. That doesn't make sense. Nobody's going, ooh, that was a bad move. <laughs> that was a bad move. <laughs> I did that a lot. What, what, what in, in, in going through counseling and, and, and in understanding it and, and becoming aware of maybe how my impact on my wife at times didn't match my intention, 
if I care about my wife, if I care about my friend, if I care about you, my intention doesn't really matter if my impact is terrible. My intention towards you is kind of a moot point if my impact is harmful. And if I care, then I should be more concerned with my impact than with my intention. That can be hard to to really own. (laughs) Because I would say most of us, most of the time, have good intentions. I don't say all or never because those aren't helpful words. (laughs) But, you know, for the most part, we know each other have good intentions, but that doesn't mean that we say or do or come off the, the best way all the time. But if, if we can take a step back in, in, in relationship, if we can take a step back and realize for ourselves, taking the log out of our own eye, that my impact is not meeting my desire, then I need to change, not correct my wife's thinking, because <laughs> that never works. <laughs> never. You know, and then there's there's other tools, uh, you know, that we talk about with act, active listening. I know one of those things when I, I, I walk through a couple, I'm like, I know this is really awkward, but active listening is, you know, let, let her say something, and then you repeat back to her what you think you heard her say, and, and it sounds so, oh, this is ridiculous. But how often do I repeat back what I heard, and it's nothing like what she what she meant to say? Or, or vice versa, when I communicate something and my wife says, what I'm hearing you say is this, I'm like, no, no, that's not quite it. <laughs> that's a- active listening. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. And and I think it's it's... Just quickly on that, I think it's if we're unable to understand forgiveness, we're also unable to receive it. That if I'm unable to forgive those around me, then I don't understand God's forgiveness, and I'm unable to receive it. And, and there's a sense in which it's, with, it's withheld. Colossians chapter 3, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive Anyone who offends you, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is what it means to stand together. And it's not easy (laughs) standing together. It will be a struggle. If you haven't experienced that yet, brace yourself. (laughs) Somebody in this room, probably one of us up here on the platform, will offend you at some point or another. But working through it and addressing it and having communication and doing it with, with tools like what, what I've said is so important that we learn how to forgive each other and stand together and walk through conflict together and grow together. Ephesians chapter 6 says, therefore, take up, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all 
to stand firm. You know, it's our desire that we stand together, that we have each other's backs, that, that we go through the hard work of, of addressing issues and, and working through conflict, and at the end of the day, forgiving and loving and forgiving and loving and forgiving and loving. These verses make really good quotes, <laughs> but they're a lot harder to live out. We're a community supposed to be marked by forgiveness if we, if we follow the teachings of Jesus and the words of Scripture, marked by forgiveness, known as those who have been forgiven and those who forgive. That's what we mean when we talk about standing together, that we're in it for the long haul, both as a local church and as the universal church, as the church, as the bride of Christ, because it's not... It's not that we just are going to stand together, but that we stand together as the church, which can be hard to do when we don't really agree necessarily with everything that's happening in the church down the street, maybe, or they don't agree with us. But our calling is to address each other and to, and to work through conflict and to stand together and to love each other and to show the world what it looks like to stand with somebody you don't necessarily agree with. <laughs> That's becoming increasingly difficult in our culture to stand with somebody that you don't necessarily agree with everything on. But that's the calling of the church. And as we stand together, we also desire to grow together. Talk about that for, uh, for a few moments. Matthew chapter 5, just a, a short part of this verse, Jesus says to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's a, there's a command, and we, and we want to hear what Jesus is saying. What, what exactly is he asking of us to be perfect as our Father is, as our Heavenly Father is perfect? What does Jesus mean when he says perfect? And this, this, the Greek word that's used there can be translated as perfect or mature, complete, fully developed. The Ephesians chapter 6 uses the phrase talking about becoming mature in our understanding. And maturity is a, is a process, isn't it? I, I said that to a friend of mine the other day that I think I'm more mature than I used to be. <laughs> at least I, I like to hope that I'm more mature than I used to be because I know that I wasn't at different times. Colossians 1.28, to present everyone mature in Christ is a desire that, that we will be presented to Christ as the bride of Christ, fully mature. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then, will we no, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his body, the church. We see throughout Scripture this theme, this, this, this teaching, this desire of God that we mature, <laughs> that we grow. 
And as, as partners, and invited to be partners, to have partnership as a church, our partnership, is that our desire is that we are always growing. Individually, together, that we are growing together, becoming more mature, having our minds renewed, being corrected, understanding more, growing together. Uh, that's our desire is that, that that doesn't stop until we are complete, needing nothing, until we are presented as the bride, as the bride to Christ and, and we are complete in, in every way. But until that happens, our desire is that we grow together. And we need to be honest with ourselves that growing together doesn't happen very fast in an hour and a half on Sunday morning with me just talking and you listening. <laughs> that... You know, maybe I'll offer something that you remember when you get home and, and will help get through your week or give some encouragement. But really, growing together takes a lot more than just Sunday morning attendance <laughs> and worship and, and all of the amazing things that we love about coming here. That growing together requires actually doing life together and being connected with each other and rubbing elbows with each other so that we are pushed in the areas that we need to be pushed. You know, and that's why we have our, our small groups and house churches and focus groups and classes and teams is that we, that we want to be in community together, that we aren't just identified as people who come on a Sunday morning and we worship, which is an amazing thing. We worship together and we hear teaching and, and, we, and we do that, but that we actually are, are in life together, growing together, challenging each other, because when we actually get to know each other, that's when we see the areas that we need to grow in. <laughs> You know, if, if all you knew of me was what I spend time preparing to show you, or if all you knew of me was what you see on social media, then you don't really see all of me. But when you're walking beside me and sitting down for a meal together or seeing me in the community, you see, you might see something like, oh, we need, there's an area that needs a little bit of growth. <laughs> it's when we're walking together in, in groups, smaller groups, or just just honestly in community, that we have the opportunity to grow together, which isn't necessarily always fun, <laughs> right? You don't want, that's why we put the pictures on Facebook and Instagram that we want people to see, because that's what we want people to see. We don't want them to see the other 10 pictures that we took that didn't look that good. <laughs> we, we present in so many ways, but then we get a false view of, of everything that we see. That if all we see is social media, then we have a false view of reality. Because reality is much more interesting and messy. <laughs> and so in community, as partners of New Testament Church, our desire is to stand together and to grow together. To challenge each other. To love each other. To do it in helpful ways, not harmful ways. To, to challenge, and, 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 and we do that in so many ways uh, as, we, as we stand together and grow together and push each other. Andy Stanley says, Maturity is measured by demonstrative growth in our love for God and others. Demonstrative growth in our love for God and others is the phrases that are written on, on the glass coming in here and on the wall that we desire to know God, to love one another, and to make disciples who know God and love one another, who make disciples who know God and love one another. That our desire is to be growing in our relationship with God, that our 
our understanding of who our Creator is, the Lord and Savior, our, our, our God, to, to know Him, to have intimate understanding and knowledge and awe and wonder of who God is. But as, as Jesus said, He paired when He said, what's the greatest commandment? He gave two. It's not just about loving God and understanding Him and knowing Him. It's about loving each other. And, and John says pretty clearly that if you don't show love for one another, then you don't understand who God is. And so as a community, we want to be growing continually in our, in our love for one another, in our love for humanity, in our love for Messina, in our love for the North Country, that we're continually growing in that, that, that we are more, more loving and more generous and more helpful and more, more serving than ever. And we see people loving God and knowing God more than more than ever. That's that's our desire. But it's not it's not all roses and rainbows, is it? <laughs> you know, and that's why you know, even in in, in recent weeks, there's been a, a number of conflicts. Some that you might know about, others that you don't, and some that you'll probably hear of eventually. That there's there's always conflict. There's always things happening. There's always things that need to be worked through, but we're committed to working through them. We're committed to standing with one another and to being shaped ultimately by Christ and, and reflecting him better and better. Because if we're not reflecting Christ better and better every week, every month, every year, then we're not following him. We're just have our, have our club. But we're committed to standing with each other and working through things and loving each other and honoring one another and supporting one another in, in everything that we do. Does that sound like something to, to sign up for? Something to partner with? So we're, this, is the, this is the second of our, of our three-week um, talk series on, on partnership. Next Sunday after the service, we're going to have a, a time, uh, a meet and greet with a, a, a members of our, our eldership team and our staff team. If you've never been to a partner party, if you've never um, checked a box or, or written down that I'm, I'm a partner and you want to, then we invite you to stay after the service next Sunday uh, to, to say, I want to be a partner. And then all of us, those of you online, everybody that receives the newsletter, everybody that wants to be a part of, of New Testament Church, that wants to partner in just under two weeks, not this Friday, but the following Friday, November 4th, I believe, November 4th on that Friday night, please go and register, ntcmissina.com, or check, check the email that went out this week. There'll be more emails to come. Um, to come, and we'll, we'll, this room will be cleared out. If you haven't been in here for one of our, of our previous six, we're going to clear this room out and put round tables down and just have a great meal together, talking about the past year, celebrating what has happened and looking forward and just being a community, breaking bread together. How's that sound? Partnership. It's great. We are so much better together. There, there are all, all those phrases that we can go faster alone, but we go further together. That we're able to do so much more together than we could possibly do apart, and that's what we want to be a part of. Invite somebody to, to come up for the keys. I don't know if the band or whoever's coming up. We're gonna we're gonna receive um, communion this morning, and come to the table and and share in the table that, that Christ laid before us two thousand years ago, before his disciples. As as we'll break bread in a sense together and understand who Jesus is through through the table, 
and then come together in two weeks and, and break lasagna <laughs> and bread. I think we're having lasagna. Uh, lasagna and bread and, and salad and some yummy treats in a couple of weeks. So why don't you stand with me? We'll pray and and uh, we, we, we celebrate the table about once a month uh, as a church and invite you to come and, and, and grab uh, a piece of bread and a cup and then go back to your seats and we'll walk through the passage together. But we'll walk through the, the verse. I'll turn to, to 1 Corinthians in a moment to go, to go through that. But communion being a representation, a, a, a tangible um, image, picture of what Christ did for his body, for his bride, for for you, for me, and for everybody who, who chooses to follow and accept all that Christ did, that we recognize that his body was broken, his blood, his blood was poured out, so that forgiveness could begin with Jesus and flow through us. And so, you know, the, the scriptures say that we don't come to the table lightly, but we come reverently. And even taking a moment to just check our hearts and saying, God, is there anything that you want to address in me? Any, anything that I need to just get out before you? Any, any way in which I need to confess that you are not Lord over my life and declare who you are over my life? That we get to do that together in this moment. That as we come and we, and we grab a piece of bread and a cup, that we, that we do so being reminded of, of all that was done for us and what it actually means. That we don't receive it out of just convenience or out, out of just that's what we do, but we actually do it recognizing the, the great price that was paid by, by our Creator and our God and our Savior. Jesus, we thank you that you came to earth to live amongst us, to show us what real life looks like. And Jesus, that you, that you went to the cross to, to show ultimate sacrifice and servanthood, how you took upon yourself the weight of sin, the weight of the world, the weight of every one of us. You took on the weight of that on yourself so that we could receive your your goodness, we could receive your righteousness, we could receive your right standing before before our God and our Creator. So God, as we, as we come, may we hear whatever you have to say to us this morning, ways in which we need to to love better, to, to serve, to, to receive forgiveness, to, to offer um, forgiveness to others, whatever, whatever it is. God, you speak to us individually in, in the only the way that you can. May our ears be open as we come to the table this morning. Because of your love. Because of your love. 
Corinthians 11, Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to it, God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now when Jesus was with his disciples and he's headed to the cross where his body would be broken, that he used bread as, as a metaphor, as an example, that his body will be broken and that we can do this to remember all that was done. But there's something, I, I don't think this is just a, I don't think it's just a form. I don't think it's just a piece of bread, although it is. I don't know whether it came from Price Chop or wherever it came from. But in this moment, it's more than just a piece of bread. And it has so much more attached to it as we as we do this, as we as we reflect on what Jesus did, and we acknowledge all that He did for us, and we receive what He did for us. So, Jesus, we thank you that God, you laid down your life for the sins of the world, so that the world could know forgiveness, so that the world could know love by your ultimate act of love. God, as your body was broken. supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it for every time 
you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. But when we do this, when we celebrate this, when we look to the bread and to the cup, we are announcing continually who God is and what he means to us. And then taking that responsibility on us to break our bodies and, and shed our blood for each other, that we live for each other like Jesus lived for us. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you spared nothing for us. Jesus, we receive all that you have for us. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your love. God, may we, may we be touched by it in a way that, that leads to overflowing love and forgiveness from us toward, toward the world around us. We thank you for all that you've done for us. You receive the cup this morning. we get to go and show that forgiveness and love to each other and to everyone around us. God, I thank you that we get to experience this, that we get to be reminded together. God, as we stand together, as we grow together, as we come together, as we serve together, God, may we be a reflection of you in our world so that more people can experience all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.